0: Day and I uh, trust that you've gotten through the uh, cold temperatures and the uh, ice and snowy roads and all of those things, and we're glad you're here with us this morning. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the armor of God, and we want to continue uh, in that same passage and looking again at, uh, at one of the elements or pieces of the armor of God Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, uh, Paul, uh, writing the church at Ephesus, is giving them the list of the armor and the things that are needed, and so um, one of those is the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. And um, I thought about that for a little bit, and I thought about the fact that football players are required to wear a helmet. And they wear that helmet to protect their head while engaging with the opponent, right? It's it's a game that's going on. There's opposition to one another. And the helmet is used to protect the head in regards to that. Now, not here in Oklahoma, because we're tough and and rumble and everything, but in some states, motorcyclists are required to wear helmets. And those helmets are, are worn in order to diminish the chances, in case of an accident, of head injury. doesn't eliminate them altogether, but they are used to, to, to diminish the opportunity or the chance of a head injury when we're on a motorcycle moving from one point to another. Construction workers are required or expected to wear a hard helmet, if you would, uh, to protect them. As they carry out their work. And I began to think about all of the things that helmets or hard hats are used for in our world today. And I thought about what what is the purpose of the helmet of salvation that Paul is speaking of here. Surely it has to do with the head. As we engage with our opponent. We know who that is. It's Satan and his Evilness, as we're moving through this life, as the motorcyclist carrying out our tasks that need to be done, as the construction worker. And I thought about how Paul writing in that day in time, in that they would have an understanding of a soldier wearing a helmet to protect their head while engaging with the opponent. And the reason for that is, in that day and time, in that moment that he was writing this passage, is the idea that there was a lot of hand-to-hand combat. That they, they didn't have guns and they didn't have, you know, missiles and all of the things that we have today. A lot of their fighting was done up close, in person, hand-to-hand. And if you received a blow to the head... It could incapacitate you for a period, making you vulnerable. It could even render you unconscious to where you could not protect yourself. It could even kill you. And so the idea of protecting the head in the midst of the conflict or the the battle that was going on is the idea of helping us to understand the importance of our mind And our ability to use it. The mind plays a critical and necessary role in our salvation. Thus the idea of the helmet of salvation. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 says this. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. You see, it's a mind thing that we're dealing with when we talk about salvation. It's about a thought process, and we're going to see that as we go through the passage today. It's about the idea of our minds helping us to fully love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Rendering us the idea that we are... Are not just an emotional thing in regards to salvation, but it is an intellectual thing in regards to salvation. Oftentimes, people talk about those of us who are people of faith, and they talk about, oh, that they, they, they have a crutch, or or you know, they just have this blind you know tr- faith, or whatever the case may be. And the fact of the matter is, nothing could be further from the truth. Our salvation, our relationship with Jesus Christ and our trust in God is very strongly founded on an intellectual understanding of what God has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us in the future. And if our faith is not founded on that intellectual understanding, then we're missing part of God's plan of salvation. Because salvation is not just an emotional thing. It's not just a a feeling thing. It is an intellectual thing as well. So the first thing I want us to see today in regards to the helmet of salvation is that it identifies the role of the mind in the conflict with evil. So the helmet of salvation identifies for us the, the role of the mind in our conflict with evil. It is God's will that we be delivered from the tyranny of evil in our minds and in our intellectual life. God desires... That we not be tormented by the thoughts of, the ideas of, and the influence of evil in our life. He, he says in the scriptures that he came that we might have life, and then we might have it what? More abundantly. He doesn't want us to live in the torment of evil, evil thoughts, that evil influence, evil impact in our life. He wants us to be able to come above that. But in order to be able to come above that, he said, it is an intellectual process that takes place along with the emotional heart, heart, soul, and mind. They all work hand-in-hand with one another. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. Listen to this passage and what it says about our intellectual understanding of salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Listen to what he's talking about as he writes here, his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts, (coughs) excuse me, than your thoughts. He's talking about intellectual. He's not talking about our heart or our soul. He's not talking about the emotional side. He's talking about the intellectual side. And he said, My ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and your thoughts. They are different, and you need to come in tune with my ways and my thoughts. (coughs) Excuse me. You need to come with a greater understanding of my ways and my thoughts. Intellectually knowing what God (coughs) has called us to. So, He calls us to repentance in relationship to salvation. Salvation. And in the New Testament, everybody's running to get water. They think that's going to help. I don't know. So they're going to get water. Ariel says, here, Dad, I'll, I'll surrender my water for you. <clears throat> it's some of that um, sinus stuff that we were talking about a moment ago and, and all of that. But he calls us to repentance. And all through the New Testament, thank you, Ariel, we see a call to repentance that is a process of changing our mind, changing the intellectual understanding. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Man, (coughs) he even put some ice in it, huh? How about that? Now, I don't know about you, probably some of you are going, man, if he chokes up enough, maybe he'll just stop. But but Don was like, I want to hear some more. So thanks, Don. He even put ice in it. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. says this, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for, listen to what he says, for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist came in order to call us to repentance. A repentance that leads to the forgiveness of sins. Jesus addressed repentance and an intellectual call to repentance. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Repent. Repent. And believe in the gospel. Well, how do I believe? I believe by hearing and understanding intellectually what I'm being taught. What I'm being told. And so Jesus came proclaiming the gospel. Jesus came preaching the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 46. And he said to them, Uh, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Again, uh, uh, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the call to repentance. The need for us to, and, and we've defined repentance before. And it's the idea that I'm headed in one direction, and I have a change of mind and of heart that causes me to turn around and go in a different direction. A change has to take place. And that change takes place when I hear and believe and process intellectually and understand, and I I feel the love and the forgiveness that God is offering, and I respond to that. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Okay, What does that mean, to be conformed to this world? It's the idea, if you would, to be squeezed into a mold. In other words, it's a cookie cutter. Uh, the idea of this world that you just become, fall in line to, with the rest of the people in the world. That what everybody else is believing, whatever everybody else is doing, how everybody else is acting, then, then that's the way that I'm going to do, believe, and act and talk in my life. Do not be conformed to this world, but listen to what he says. Be transformed. What? By the renewing of your mind. Understanding the intellectual impact that that has on our salvation, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He calls us to not allow ourselves to, to be placed in the mold to follow after the pattern of the world. But he says on the flip side of that, on the contrary to that, he said what I want you to do is I want you to be transformed. What does that word mean? Changed. I want you to be changed by what? By how you feel? By the emotions that you have? No. He said, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Intellectual. What I think. What I understand. What I comprehend from God's Word. And understanding His call for us to have an intellectual understanding of the truths of God's Word and how that impacts my life is why Paul refers to the helmet of salvation. The helmet that protects the mind from the influence and the impact of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Again, the mind and the intellectual understanding. Every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought Process. See, we have to understand that when we're talking about the helmet of salvation, he's talking about protecting the mind from the evil influence and the impact of the world. And that when we intellectually understand what God has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us, it leads us to a, a complete understanding of God's salvation. And that's the second thing I want us to see today, is that the helmet of salvation emphasizes complete salvation. A complete understanding of what God has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. We often struggle with being defeated by evil because we do not have a complete understanding of God's salvation. And so we allow the evil influence of the world to come into our minds and into our thoughts. And when that happens, then we allow those thoughts to to be carried out in actions or responses in life. And so he says in regards to that, that. That we have to have a complete understanding of his salvation. And in that understanding. We have the strength. And the power to overcome evil. And it's influence in on our thought process. Intellectually. How we live our lives. And the things that we do. And so he says really there are just three things. That we need to understand to have a complete understanding of God's plan of salvation. And the first one is this, is we need to have an understanding of justification. Now that word justification, you've probably heard it defined uh, many times before, but it's the idea of just as if, justification. It's just as if I've never done something. So it relates specifically to my past. Just as if I'd never done that, just as if I'd never sinned, Just as if I'd never failed. Just as if I'd never been disobedient. Justification, he says. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. Already happened. Past tense. Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Justification says that he has justified us. And and it's as though we have never sinned in our life. That's the past, the sin of our past, our mistakes, our failures, our disobedience. He said, I've justified you. And that Christ has stood in the gap. He has substitutionary taken our place on the cross and through his death. And in relationship to that, we understand that he has forgiven everything in my past. And everything in my past, it's just as if, justification, as if I've never done those things in relationship to obedience to God and the truth of His Word. Second thing is sanctification. And sanctification is about the present, about what God is doing in our life today. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on. so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, listen to what he says, forgetting what lies behind, justification. It's in the past, right? I press on, reaching behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He said, this is what I'm doing right now. I've been sanctified by the blood of Christ. And I forget what is in the past. I'm pressing on to the future. And that's how I'm living life today. Sanctified by the blood of Christ. My sins have been washed away. I've been forgiven. I've received the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm living presently in that state, in that condition. And then he says there is glorification. And that's the future. So justification is my past in regards to salvation. Sanctification is my present, where I am today, in regards to my salvation. And then glorification is the future. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong, if we are a Christian, if we are a believer, if we have followed the gospel plan of salvation, he says, we belong to heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state. There's that word transform again. We're going to change. He said, He's going to change the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. Get that? We're going to change from where we are if we live until His return. He's going to transform us. He's going to change us into the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has, even to subject all things to Himself. That's our future. The future is I am a a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And whether I am living when Christ returns, Or whether I leave this world before his return, there is a day coming in the future that he is going to change this whole body and he's going to transform it or change it into his body, like his body, that I will live in a glorification for all eternity. And so he says, you and I must understand, fully understand and comprehend the complete plan of salvation. And the complete plan of salvation deals with our past, it deals with our present, and it deals with our future. And he says when we can intellectually understand that, when we can, can come to a, a comprehension of what that means for you and I, then he says we begin to understand what it means for us to put on the helmet of salvation and to guard our minds intellectually against the evil influence of this world. And that our minds, day by day, by being in His Word, day by day through our prayer life, through our relationship with other believers, through the study of the Word, that our minds become more and more in tune with His way of thinking and not the world's. That more and more I look at life And everything that I live and everything I do from God's way of thinking, not mine. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. It can be a challenge. Because we are fleshly. We are human. We are worldly by nature. But when we receive His salvation and we completely understand what He's done with our past and our present and will do with our future, glorification in the kingdom of heaven. He says, then it becomes more comprehensible for you and I to go, I want to think more like he thinks. I I want the decisions of my life, the directions that I take, the words that come out of my mouth, just like Aaron was talking earlier about about what we put in influences what comes out, that I want my thought process to be more and more in line with his thought process. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. But I want them to be more like His ways. I want my thoughts to be more like His thoughts. And the way that I do that is having a full and complete understanding of His plan of salvation and what that means for my life today. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation to Him. And the invitation is for us to have a complete understanding of God's plan of salvation. What that means for you and I Past, present, and future. How it impacts our minds and our intellectual thought process to think more like he thinks.